This episode of Never Not Knitting is brought to you by Dancing You Yarns. You can find the link for Dancing You Yarns shop at nevernotknitting.com. Hi, this is Alana, and you're listening to the Never Not Knitting podcast. everyone. Welcome to episode 14. Thank you for listening. This is going to be a great episode because I have lots of knitting things to talk about and also later I will be announcing the best drawing giveaway ever. So stay tuned for that. But first, as always, I'd like to share with you my latest knitting news. First off, over the past few weeks, I have completed two knitting projects. Two. Although I like the way that makes me sound like I'm a super fast, awesome knitter, I have to be truthful. One of the projects was almost completed, and, well, the other one was quite small. The first one I finished was my daughter's watermelon sweater, and it's really cute. I'm very happy with how this design turned out, and thankfully, this time the sweater fit my daughter correctly. Now, I'm recording this episode a bit early due to my trip to Stitches West later this week, so as of right now, the watermelon pattern is not quite ready to put up for sale, but it should be done very soon. Even though the pattern is not yet available, I do have pictures up of the sweater if you'd like to see how it turned out. You may be wondering, what makes a sweater a watermelon sweater anyways? Well, to answer that question, the sweater is knit up in two different colors. A bright green for the body and sleeves, which would represent the watermelon rind, and a bright pinkish red color for the yoke, which would represent the fruit part of the watermelon. I also embroidered little black seeds on the yoke, and that makes it look more realistic and really cute. And since this is a cardigan pattern, it includes two different variations for closures. A ribbon closure that is woven through the sweater yoke and tied in front, or a button and loop closure, which consists of crocheting a little chain loop and then sewing a button to the opposite side. I think that the ribbon tie closure is so adorable, but looked a little too babyish for my three-year-old, so I chose to sew a button on her sweater. The sweater pattern is really basic, and a beginning knitter could easily knit it. There is no ribbing, no button bands, so that means no picked up stitches, and the whole sweater is knit in one piece, so no seaming. Super simple. Also I was thinking that this pattern doesn't really have to be a watermelon. If you wanted to, you could just use one color of any DK weight yarn, and this could just be a cute, basic child's cardigan pattern. And since the pattern is sized from three months to size six, it could definitely be a staple in your pattern collection. Anyways, the other project that I recently completed is a knitted mouse for my daughter. She has been obsessed with the story of Stuart Little lately, and in that story, the main character is a white mouse. So when I saw the pattern named Mousy on Ravelry from Yusulta Teague, 
I knew that I needed to make a little mouse friend for my daughter. And, of course, she appropriately named him Stuart. Stuart. I like Stuart. He's my friend. Mom, I love him. Thank you, Mommy. I like to play with him. Then he wants a blanket. Then he's cozy. He's so cute. This pattern and project experience was awesome for so many reasons. First off, the pattern was written very well. This mouse is very easy to knit and is made mostly in one piece. The downfall of many knitted toy patterns is that they're usually made up of many different little tiny pieces that have to be assembled and that can kind of be a pain. It makes for some difficult seeming dilemmas at times. But this pattern was different, and this isn't just any ordinary little mouse. He has a giant round tummy, which gives him so much character, and this pattern calls for you to stuff his little behind with dried beans, and that weighs him down and allows him to sit up so his front paws are in the air. So basically he's just super cute. Another awesome thing is that I knitted him in only one day, and he only took just a tiny amount of yarn to make. I used even more scraps of Debbie Bliss Baby Cash Merino. It seems like my stash of Baby Cash Merino is never going to end. I keep using it and using it, and I still have lots more. It's crazy. Anyways, I used the dusty pink color for his tail, ears, and nose, and for the body, I ran one strand of off-white color with some leftover white Kid Silk Haze, which is a thin mohair blend yarn. The Kid Silk Haze gave Stuart's body a nice fuzzy halo and makes him look more mouse-like. He's actually quite realistic. I've gotten some mixed reviews when I've shown people, but I think he's cute. Basically, this was just a quick, fun pattern with an awesome outcome. I would definitely knit this mouse again. So those are the projects that I've completed, but I've also been working on a new project, a sweater for me. This sweater is one that I've been wanting to make for some time now, and it's from Knitty.com, and it's called Forecast. It's an older pattern. It's been around for a couple years now, I believe. I don't seem to make patterns when they first come out, it seems like it usually takes me a year or more to get around to them. I guess that I usually knit things in order. And what I mean by that is that I kind of have this ongoing cue in my mind of the things I'd like to knit, and rarely do I shuffle the order of them. Now and again, that brand new must-knit pattern goes straight to the top of my cue, but mostly it settles somewhere to the bottom and I knit it when its turn comes up. So finally, it was forecast turn. My sister-in-law recently made this cardigan, which definitely renewed my interest in this pattern. The design is so unique, and I really like it. It's a top-down raglan cardigan knit in garter stitch, with cable and bobble panels going down the sweater fronts, sleeves, and back. It's fun to work on, and it's keeping my interest. Every row is different, 
but it's a pattern repeat that's easy to keep track of and knit without looking at the pattern. And that is what makes a knitting pattern fun, in my opinion. The yarn that I'm using is O-Wool Classic in the color Saffron. To me, this color could also be named Curry or Spice or something. It's like a pretty pumpkin gold color. Very rich, very warm. I chose it because I thought it would complement this sweater style nicely. It's kind of a unique sweater, and this is a unique color. Hopefully I'll end up with a sweater that's more interesting and funky than odd, but I'm not too worried about it. I really like it so far. I also chose the saffron color because I'm trying to think outside the box a bit and get away from green sweaters. I'm afraid that if I don't stop myself, I'll have nothing but green hand-knit cardigans to wear. So that's pretty much what I've been knitting, and of course I've been squeezing in my work knitting responsibilities as well. Since I don't work at the shop anymore, it seems like I've been knitting so much more and doing lots and lots of work at home, which I've been really enjoying. I also did some yarn organization this week. A few months ago, I went through my main stash and organized everything, but just a few days ago, I started on my second stash. Uh, yeah, there's more. Stash number two consists of my partial skeins. I have nine or ten wicker drawers full of half-used balls of yarn. It's crazy. I don't like to throw them away, so I just keep putting them in the drawers, and they've just been getting out of hand, to say the least. You see, stash number two, it used to be organized. Way back when, each cute little wicker drawer used to house the tiny balls of yarn which were organized by color in a neat and orderly fashion. Then, then my daughter was born. And it's amazing how quickly a one-year-old can turn five little balls of yarn into a gargantuan, tangled mass. Having an active toddler, my time felt too precious to sit down and carefully untangle each strand of yarn, so I would just shove the huge tangle back into its drawer and forget about it. Again and again, my daughter would get into the yarn scraps, and again and again, I would stuff the mess back into the drawer. I'm sure that you don't want to even think of what years of this behavior resulted in. It was truly terrifying. Over time, my daughter has gotten into the yarn drawers less, yet the monsters have still continued to grow in size. You see, every time I open the drawer to look for something, I end up rifling around, which just tangles things further. If just one, unsuspecting strand from a newly added ball of yarn gets loose, that yarn tangle will grab onto it and slowly consume it. Needless to say, the yarn masses have grown quite large. For instance, some of these yarn monsters took up an entire drawer all to themselves. It became abundantly clear to me that the yarn situation was worse than I had thought, and that if I didn't act quickly, things were going to get very ugly. 
So last weekend, my husband and I declared war against stash number two and carefully started the long, arduous process of detangling. Some yarns, sadly, were too far gone and had to be put out of their misery. I'm sorry, but I don't care how much the yarn cost me. I cannot spend five hours detangling it. I felt bad about having to cut yarn and throw it away, but also good because I was able to salvage a lot. It was strange digging through all of this yarn because, in a way, each of these yarn tangles was like a knitting scrapbook for me. I found yarns, yarns I forgot that I ever worked with, yarns left over from some of my very first knitting projects, so it was kind of fun to reminisce. After a few hours, we got a few drawers worth of yarn untangled, and it feels so good to restore order back to stash number two. Well, at this point in the podcast, I'd like to take this opportunity to... Bring on the product reviews! This episode, I will be reviewing O-Wool Classic, the yarn that I'm using to knit my forecast sweater. This yarn is a four-ply Aran weight wool with 198 yards per 100 gram skein. It knits up between four and four and a half stitches per inch on a size eight or nine needle, so it's a nice true Aran weight yarn. The nice thing about this yarn is that it's made up of 100% certified organic merino wool. So many knitters these days are interested in eco-friendly knitting products, and O-Wool definitely fits the bill. The O-Wool website is full of facts about organic versus conventional production practices, as well as a complete list of standards that the company follows in producing their organic wool. So you'll want to check that out if that's something that is important to you. But I'd like to read you what the O-Wool website has to say about their product. They say, The Vermont Organic Fiber Company, which is the parent company for O-Wool, works with a worldwide network of wool producers and processors to meet the certified organic fiber needs of its customers. The company is expert in sourcing and managing the production of the highest quality wool yarns, fabric, and batting. With more than 15 years of experience in developing the certified organic eco-fiber market, the Vermont Organic Fiber Company is committed to the highest quality products and sustainable business practices that support and facilitate healthy individuals, farms, and communities. Founded in January 2000 and based in Middlebury, Vermont, the company has quickly become a global leader in the development and supply of certified organic wool products. They also say, Wool has been used to help humankind face the elements for thousands of years. The first wool was spun into yarn in 3500 BC, changing the landscape of clothing design forever. From the Romans to the modern sheep grower, wool is still one of the best-wearing and versatile fibers known to humankind. The Australian merinos raised at Plevna Downs, one of the stations where O-wool is produced, are some of the finest sheep in the world. The organic outback provides a sustainable environment for the merinos to graze and flourish. For every garment made with O-wool, between two and three acres of the outback are sustained under organic management. For our customers, this means supporting thousands of acres of organic outback each year by making clothing from O-wool. 
The O-Wool sets the standard for quality and purity in the textile market. Over the past decade, we have been dedicated to discovering and utilizing the best processing methods in accordance with the Organic Trade Association's fiber processing standards to make O-Wool the premier fiber it is today. And the fiber that this company produces is quite nice, I must say. I was examining it very carefully, and I would say that it is very, very similar in thickness, texture, and spin to Dream and Color Classy Yarn. It just has that same high twist and bouncy quality, which makes it really easy to knit with. But Classy is a superwash merino, and I would say it's a bit more silky than the Owol. The Owol has a bit of a drier hand to it, if that makes any sense. It just has a slightly different texture, but it still is soft and springy. I would have no problem whatsoever about wearing this yarn against my skin. And like any wool, it did soften up even more with washing. The washing instructions on the label call for this yarn to be hand washed in cold water and of course dried flat. But just to see, I tried washing my swatch in the machine. I washed it in a lingerie bag on the hand wash cycle in cold water and it did just fine. I like to wash my swatches the same way I would want to wash the finished piece. But now since my yarn did fine in the machine, that is not a guarantee that yours will. Every machine is different and I really, really don't want to be responsible if your sweater is ruined in the washer. But yes, my experience turned out just fine. This wool is surprisingly sturdy. What I'm really enjoying about it is that it's not fuzzing or pilling up and the stitch definition is just outstanding. I know that the fuzzing issue can really be a downfall with the silkier merino fibers, but O-Wool seems like a great balance between strength and softness. A great workhorse yarn, and it also comes in a variety of beautiful, rich colors. I was looking through Ravelry, and a lot of different types of projects have been made with O-Wool, Lots of hats, lots of sweaters, and lots of baby garments. I was kind of surprised. So this yarn is really quite versatile. You could probably use this yarn for any project that calls for an Aran or worsted weight wool. And as we know, there are a lot of patterns out there. I'll post a link to the O-Wool Projects page on Ravelry.com so that you can get some ideas. So if any of you listening are interested in organic, eco-friendly products, and you would like to give O-Wool a try, Dancing You Yarns is offering a discount of 20% off all O-Wool Classic for the month of March. There will also be free shipping on all orders that include this yarn. So just as before, this offer is exclusive to the Never Not Knitting podcast listeners and blog readers. So to receive your discount, go to my blog, click on the link for Dancing You Yarns, And in the checkout process, type in the code NNK1. I'll be sure to type out these instructions in the episode's show notes in case you forget. Okay, so now I'm so, so very excited to share with you the upcoming drawing giveaway. The best drawing ever. This is the biggest prize that has ever been given away on this podcast. Dancing You Yarns is generously offering a giveaway of five skeins of Oval Classic in the color of your choice 
to a listener of this podcast. Now, five skeins equals 990 yards. That is a small sweater's worth. I'm making the 32 inch size of the forecast sweater out of five skeins. So even if you wear a larger size, five skeins will still give you a vest or most of a sweater. So you'd only need to buy a skein or two to complete it. It's an awesome giveaway and if you'd like to try and win, all you have to do is go to my blog and leave a comment under the show notes for episode 14. But before you do, go to Dancing U's link and check out her selection of Oval Classic Colors and then tell me in your comment which color you'd like to have if you win the drawing. You have until March 14th to enter your comment and I will announce the winner on the next episode. This episode's knitting story is brought to you by a listener of this podcast, Cat, or K.M. Clark on Ravelry. This is her story, the story of the enlightenment of a wannabe knitter. I've heard the reference that there's a fine line between hobbies and mental illness, and it wasn't until I learned how to knit that I could truly appreciate the reference. I had for years been wanting to learn how to knit, watching with awe as I came across knitters in action, respectable human beings that seemed to take control of their spare moments of time, nanoseconds of time if they were mothers of young children. With such diligence, conviction, and ease of posture, they seemed to knit as if they were driven by an inner chant, moving their hands and needles rhythmically to the beat. Knitters, as I had observed, had accomplished something I had wanted to do for years, create beautiful, wearable pieces of art in the most portable of ways. I finally took the plunge and signed myself up for four introductory classes at a lovely knitting boutique in my neighborhood. A convenient time and close enough walk to location made the new hobby all too attainable. I was ready. Entering the store, I was embraced by the riot of color. Nearly breathless, I stood while my eyes danced around the room, taking in one artfully displayed shelf of yarn over the next. Turquoise pink and green yarns cheered to me from one corner, while chocolate browns laid comfortably to rest next to earth-toned blues in another corner. So many textures and saturations of color all in one place. Is this what it's like to die and go to knitting heaven, I thought? I continued to indulge my senses by touching the variety of yarns. No, my friends, these were definitely not the yarns that I remembered from the 70s with their harsh, coarse textures that make me itch just thinking of them. Those were the yarns that give knitting today a bad rap, pun intended. These yarns here in the store truly felt like fluffs of colored air settling into my palms. I envisioned wearing all of the colors in cool stripes wrapped softly around my neck and snugly shaped over my hands as mittens. 
geometrically wrapped around my body in a poncho. I could barely contain myself. I was there for my first lesson, and in my head I was already draping my body and decorating my new dining room chairs in every imaginable color. Well, hold on there, Nitster. Let's just say my visions became a blur when my lesson actually began. Briefly being taught the appropriate yarn to use with which needles, I of course selected the big fat wooden needles accompanied by big colorful chunky yarn, like all the Vogue knitters. It happened gradually, the slow steady breakdown of my knitting aspirations. Actually getting the first stitches on the one needle did not happen as easily as I had envisioned. I felt absolutely dyslexic and my speed was less than slow, if that's possible. I was, as novices would say, a very tight knitter, and let's not go wherever else that might lead. My new goal would be to transfer the yarn from one needle to the next with ease, accuracy of stitches, and oh yeah, not look like I'm in pain at the task. I was a sight to be seen, I was even experiencing knitting envy as I sat amongst experienced knitters at a big round table and watched them knit their umpteenth scarf with varying blocks of color and fancy complicated stitches, while still contributing to ongoing conversation with chunks of laughter mixed in. I became increasingly humbled with every stitch. My grandiose designs of knitting staples for my home, self, and friends quickly dissipated to perhaps one solid colored scarf per year with no fringe. Fortunately, my very patient teacher informed me, to my surprise, that I was not unique to the droves of challenged knitters before me. She encouraged me, guided me, and sent me home with a valued piece of advice that any mistakes we make are just reminders to ourselves that we are human. Great advice, but I still just wanted to sleep over at the shop and wake up an experienced knitter. No such luck. Well, it's been officially four years since I held my first pair of knitting needles. And a lot like any new hobby, this takes patience, nurturing, and a little risk-taking. It has bordered on obsession at times, but mostly it's filled with as many rewards as there are frustrations. A lot like parenting. Since those early days of learning, I have created before what would have seemed like no small miracle. Scarves of varying textures and color, hats for babies and grown-ups, knitted dolls to die for sweaters and ponchos. Each project has been a progressive climb to a new level of knitting. It's been a great journey, and I can always be found with my knitting bag close at hand. There's an ongoing project in the car, upstairs in my bedroom, and of course, another hidden by the TV in the living room. Now, if only I could knit my family cheeseburgers for dinner. Thank you so much, Kat, for sharing your story with us. It's always fun to find out how others 
learn and get involved with knitting. A link to Kat's Ravelry page will be included in the podcast show notes. If you have a story that you'd like to share on an upcoming podcast episode, please email me. I'm always looking for more stories to share, and within a few weeks, I will be running out again. So if you have a story in mind, now would be a great time to send it. The show notes for this podcast can be found on my blog at nevernotknitting.com. I'm also over on Ravelry as Never Not Knitting, and you can email me at nevernotknitting at gmail.com. Thanks for joining me for episode 14. I'll see you next time. She won't even do the dishes. The house plants, they're all dead. Yeah, her needles are a-clicking. From morning until she goes to bed. She won't take the time to brush her teeth. Let's not even talk about her hair. If it isn't about knitting, she just doesn't really care. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. Pop ramen again. She just won't stop the stitching. And the neighbors say it really is quite sad. I don't know about her. She used to be such a sweet girl, but now she doesn't knit. Nobody has clean laundry. No pants, no shirts, no underwear. But they have closets full of sweaters. And more socks than they could ever wear. Yard in the fridge, in the cupboards, the bathtub and pantry. It's even in the washer and dryer. That's why she can't do any laundry. I need some clothes. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. I'm finally for divorce. She just won't stop her stitching. And the neighbors say it's really getting bad. She's taking pictures of socks again. Oh, poor girl. The house is burning up in flames. Oh, 911. Her husband says, Get up, let's go. But she can't set down her project. She says, let me finish up this row. She's never not knitting, and it's making her husband mad. Her husband mad. She just won't stop her stitching, and well, she's losing all she had.